0: In 1984, Wes Craven
1: brought to us his vision of a nightmare that he had along with the true story of several people who claimed they had nightmares and couldn't sleep and died suddenly in their sleep. Put the two together and you get Nightmare on Elm Street. This is what we're discussing this week. Nightmare on Elm Street's 1 and 3, putting together Nancy's story. We hope you like it. welcome back everybody to the show retro life for you my name is chris adams hosting the show this week i have special guest host with me who has been here before but it's been a few weeks or maybe i don't know tim month month and a half a a month or two yeah something like that Month or uh tim williams he is the host of 80s flick flashback and tim if you will go ahead and uh Say a few things for us about your podcast, tell us what it's about,
0: and then we'll get into the show, what we're going to do today. Cool. Uh, If you love 80s movies, then you'll love the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Uh, It's a podcast where every other week, uh, or right now about every week, because I'm doing a bunch of bonus episodes, but me and another 80s Flick loving co-host talk about a specific 80s flick, and we'll share first-time watch memories favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes trivia and stories along the way. So uh, that's what we do, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And we actually covered Nightmare on Elm Street 1 last October, so I'm yes, looking forward to is. this one. Good
1: stuff, too. Please check him out. Everybody, is really a fun podcast to listen to. And like he uh, mentioned earlier, we were talking about co-hosts and everything. He uh, Like I knew this time around, he has several different people to kind of rotate out co hosting. so... It's like you're always getting a fresh take or something. It seems yeah. like somebody else we uh, this week. it's yeah. <laughs> all we can do, people. We can try. Right, exactly. But uh, so we're going to do Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 3. I know you're saying they're skipping 2, Chris. You're skipping <laughs> 2. But um, kind of a unique way here. I'm doing the idea of doing Nancy's story, and Nancy is kind of, glossed over a little bit the second one. They kind of mentioned her, but in the third one, she reappears Mm -hmm. and uh, brings her character back for us. And I was telling somebody else I was doing this, Tim, and they said, well, what about the one later down the line where she comes back again? I said, well, no. That's a little bit different because they made that version of Nightmare on Elm Street where she is back and it's like she's making the movie Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Right, right.
1: And Robert England is in there playing himself and playing Freddy. It's like you're making a movie within a movie. It's not quite the same thing. This is not a part of Nancy's story. Mm-hmm. So a little bit different. But Elm Street 1, I rewatched it partly last night and this morning. And then Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Actually, I finished watching it 30 minutes before this podcast <laughs> ended. <First> on your <laughs> mind. Hey, it's been a long day, so I had to rush it in. <laughs> uh but let's go to the, the first one to start off with, Heather Langan yeah. plays Nancy Thompson, uh her mother and father, uh Marge Thompson, and what was the dad's name? I know he was a lieutenant. Uh
0: he was uh where to go.
1: I was and you know, I'm not seeing his name now. Why is that? Anyway, uh John Saxon <laughs> plays the role. Yeah. Lieutenant Thompson. We'll call him Lieutenant Thompson. That sounds that's, good.
0: That's what that's um, what IMDb says was what I'm going with.
1: <laughs> there he is right there, right in front of me. John yep. Saxon, Lieutenant Thompson, just below Johnny Depp playing there Glenn And, yes, Johnny Depp was in this movie, for those who are not sure of this. This is 1984's Nightmare yep. on Elm Street. His Robin first e. movie role. Yes, first, and he did quite a good job as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I, I was sitting there thinking earlier when I was watching this. Um, And, you know, once again, not to go off topic like I always do, but Johnny Depp in 21 (laughs) Jump Street. 21 Jump Street, before or after Elm Street?
0: After, right?
1: (laughs) I didn't look it up. I'm about to to look it up right now. (laughs) You know, I was going to. While you're looking it up, I was going to do this, and I'm thinking he reminds me of the Tom Hansen character in 21 Jump Street with the look that he had in Elm Street. So, I'm, I'm wondering if it was during the filming of uh, 21 Jump Street,
0: if it was after, before. Jump Street was after. Ju- <clears throat> excuse me. Jump Street didn't start till 87. So, okay. he had done Nightmare on Elm Street. He was in Platoon, a very small role in 86. Yeah. And Cry Baby. Oh, that's after that. So, yeah. So, yeah. Jump Street was 87 to 90.
1: I think. Now, was Cry Baby his first big movie? That was just starring him?
0: Yes. That was his first starring role. And of course okay. that was after he became you know kind of the heartthrob from Jump right. Street. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Well, it's a good little side story here for uh this first movie, Heather camp Nancy Thompson. Um, she's having well, her friend Tina,
0: mm-hmm. uh which
1: is played by Amanda Wiss. Um, you said you had a story about her in just a second, we're gonna get yeah. to that in just a moment because I I want to hear this. Uh Tina is having nightmares and she's having trouble sleeping. The show kind of opens up really. Uh With her, yeah. So, uh, you kind of feel, in the sense, like this movie might be central around her, whereas it's really not, as you see as it goes on and progresses. But you go to find out uh, a few minutes into the movie that it's not just Tina having these nightmares. Um, Nancy is having bad dreams, although she's not really talking about it, and so are the two guys, which is Tina's boyfriend uh, Rod, And then Johnny's depth character, Glenn, Mm -hmm. they don't really mention it. The guys don't for the longest. Finally, you get Rod Lane, uh, which is Tina's boyfriend, talking about it after he gets arrested for what they think is the murder of Tina. Because Tina ends up dying eventually in her dream to Freddie. And Rod was the only one with her. Uh, But the the strange thing comes out is all of them are dreaming about the same guy. Uh And when they realize it, it kind of you know gets to nancy a little bit and she's like how is that possible we're dreaming about the same man you know little knives for fingers on his glove and a dirty brown hat and an ugly red and green sweater and he's horribly burned and when they have this talk you see johnny Depp's eyes kind of get big for a second like he's like no way and then he kind of plays it off like you know it's just a bad dream or something um the Tina character still continues through for a little bit as well. I mean, you see that it's like Freddie is taunting Nancy mm-hmm. with the body several times throughout the movie. Um, this also gives you the feel if you've ever had this feeling, you had a nightmare like you know, there's always that feeling that you can't run fast enough, right? You like right. just won't pick up off the ground and go mm-hmm. weighted down, but you, you can run. But it's like you're the football player pulling the sled, or yeah. pushing the sled, or something. Either either way, either direction, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. something's weighing you back. But you're ju- you got just enough to move and get going, just enough to stay ahead. And the part in the movie where Freddie has his arms out to both sides, real long, like he's blocking uh-huh. that out of the way, gives you the feel like you have got nowhere to go. You can't run. You can't get by me. You know, I'm going to get you. Uh, the thought process that Wes Craven put into this movie. Was was something else. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it was it was nothing less than brilliant what he's done with it, because it was a good scary movie, <laughs> and they didn't get real cheesy in this one or no,
0: you know, all the one liners and stuff. Uh, the the, the one liners,
1: yeah, the kind of those kind of come later. Uh, three kind of picks them up a little bit, but in good I don't want to say good taste, but in fun, fun <laughs> fashion. Right. In fun right. fashion. But then you get in Elm Street 4 and 5, and they start getting a little ridiculous at that point. Kind of humorous though. Oh yeah, but I mean, definitely became you
0: know, more of a comedy than a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, it kind it of felt on. that way.
1: Kind of felt that way. Uh what's the story about Amanda Wiss that you have though?
0: So uh so of course we we covered this last October, and so first of all I'll say I had called her Amanda Weiss on our episode and then when I did my interview with uh, Diane Franklin, who was with her in Better Off Dead, she mentioned her name was Amanda Wist. I was like, oh, I got to remember that, that I said her name her name wrong. So, uh, but I'm going think. Which
1: is hilarious for y'all to know, all right? Full, right? full disclosure, I was saying Amanda Weiss the whole time he corrected me earlier. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad he did.
0: Yeah, like, we help each other out. That's what we do. Um so I've been, you know, of course, I'm promoting different episodes this month, and of course, it's all Halloween. So I've done a thing like a Do You Know on my social media where I'll take a piece of trivia, something that either we covered on the podcast or something we didn't get to, and I'll make a little picture. And so one of the stories was that uh, after the movie came out the the, the following Halloween Amanda had mentioned that she was at home with trick-or-treaters and she noticed a bunch of kids were coming dressed as Freddy. And so eventually she told one of the kids, hey, you know, I was in that movie. I played Tina and the kid didn't believe her. And I thought that was a really cool little story. <laughs> and so I had posted, I was like, wait, I think I'm following her on Twitter. I was like, I'll just send her a message on Twitter say, hey, Amanda, can you confirm is this fact or fiction? And she responded within 30 minutes said, it's all true. So that just happened like today, like a few hours ago. So really cool that she reached out and, and confirmed that that was a real story. Because I was like, you know, you read stuff on the Internet. It's like, eh, is somebody just throwing stuff on IMDb or Wikipedia just to be funny? Or was that right. a real legit story? So she did confirm that uh, a kid that trick-or-treated in 1985 <laughs> <laughs> did not believe that she was in the movie. Of course, he was probably too young to see the movie. He had just, you know, liked the Freddy costume probably.
1: Probably, and and, and you know what, I mean, I highly doubt she's listening to this show, but if she is, thank you so much for responding like that. You have no idea how cool it is for somebody who has been in a movie, a TV show, a musician, whatever, to take the time to respond to you, even in a simple way, yes, no, absolutely true, whatever, Uh if they give you a long, drawn-out paragraph of their time, and, you know, then thank you for messaging or whatever, great on them. But at least responding—that is awesome. Awesome. Yep. I wish, I wish, I wish a lot of them, a lot more of them were like that. I, although I do understand the want for privacy and everything oh, too, yeah. so oh, I, yeah. I don't condemn them for it in any way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yo, that's great of her that she did do something like that. I'm just picturing the little kids dressed as Freddie coming to the toilet.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> little, little little fake claw on the hand. Right. Exactly. Look, I I remember when those that was like the toy to have man back in, in the mid eighties. And of course my parents would not let us have that, but you know, there was always one of, one of the kids in the street, one of the kids at school that had it and snuck it into school or snuck it behind somebody's house where you kind of played with it or whatever. And of course it was cheap plastic. It wasn't going to hurt anybody, but it was just the idea of it. I think you had to, that might've been back when you could only get that at like Spencer gifts, you know, in the mall, which, you know, was, you know, it was all, yeah, your parents like we'll go. You can go in there, but we have to go in with you because there are certain parts of that store you cannot. <laughs> cannot back to the store. <laughs> yeah, it's like the further <laughs> the further back you go, the darker it gets, and the darker yes. the uh, or the the more adult the uh, the merchandise becomes. Yes, yes,
1: of course. The employees working there don't care if you go to the back. No. <laughs> don't let mom and dad catch you going back here. Though. Right, exactly. They'll be laughing about what they seen later. But they'll be whipping you for looking at it. <laughs>
0: I learned a lot in that store that I probably shouldn't have learned at the age I learned it. But anyway, I think, yeah,
1: I think we all did. <laughs> wow. The movie itself, when it comes to, uh, you know, the first film street release date mm-hmm. was November 16th of 84. The movie budgeted estimated $1.8 million. That's not a lot of money. If you think no. about it, no. you know, making a movie, even then, I don't think that was a lot of money to make a movie now i don't know what type of money they put into special effects it was more I think it's more just makeup
0: yeah I mean, yeah
1: when it comes to Freddy, the red and the rest of it's just you know cheap cheap special effects with the bodies with some blood or uh maybe some reverse technology with the camera or something with the blood gushing from the bed up to the ceiling versus mm-hmm. you know, going down or something they, did, they did, did use some of that uh, camera motion they used in Breaking, where you see like where Turbo was dancing on the wall and the ceiling, Yeah, they pulled Tina's character up the wall of the ceiling and everything. That was uh, put in place. Maybe it was an hour and 31 minutes long, but do you know how much money? Well, you got IMDb up. You've probably looked at it already. <laughs> uh, how much money this grossed worldwide? $25 million. $25 million. And some change, I mean, yeah. And some change. Uh, if I if I just had to change. <laughs> I feel, exactly, exactly. <laughs> 25 million plus. That is great. Opening weekend, 1.27 million.
0: Yeah, you keep mm-hmm. the 25 million, I'll take the six hundred eighty-five thousand and we'll call it
1: even. I, you know, I, I'm not gonna complain about that if they were to offer it to me. You know? <laughs> I, mean, I really wouldn't. So man. Uh, during the movie itself, though, it, it gives you the the thing that made it one of the things so great was it gives you the creeps because it's in your dreams. And, you know, when yeah. you're having a nightmare, yeah. you're waking up yourself as a kid, maybe even an adult at one point in time. You jump awake from the dream that you just had. And it's if it takes you a second or two to realize you're not dreaming anymore. You're awake. But the helplessness that you feel from being mm-hmm. in the, It's like you can't do anything to help yourself. And that's what makes this movie to me, very unique and scary when it came out in 1984.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Wes Craven was definitely, I mean, you'd had the slashers. I mean, by that point, you'd had Michael Myers with Halloween. You'd had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You'd had uh, Jason Voorhees. So that type of kind of monster serial killer was pretty well established. So Craven was very smart to throw, you know, to, to, to um, to look at a different perspective of what is, you know, yeah, it's scary to be chased by a serial killer, but yeah, the dreams dreams is like even more so because it's like, everybody's had that dream. Like you said, where you're trying to run away, you're trying to get to something you can't. And of course you wake up and you're like, Oh gosh, thank God it was just a dreamer. I mean, just a dream. But for this to come out and be like, well, what if you couldn't get out? What if, and I know it was based on a real syndrome that happened overseas and, Um, I don't have it right in front of me to go go over it, but um, but it was based on where these uh, villagers would uh, Mm -hmm. have these horrible nightmares and and actually die in their sleep. Not because and also basically as a trauma or so much fear in their sleep that it caused them to pass away, you know, their heart to stop. So right, I mean, I've actually that, got it right. That's right, kind of right scary. That's kind of scary too yeah. that it's based on something that's real. <laughs> it's called suds
1: sudden yeah. unexpected death syndrome. Uh, and brigada syndrome it says. Yeah. Um medical authorities have since called the phenomenon Asian death syndrome, a yeah, variety remember, yeah. of sudden unexpected death syndrome and brigada syndrome.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah, you're right though. Um it says, West Krippen first came up with the basic idea for the movie from a series of articles in the LA Times over a three-year period, a group of Southeast Asian refugees from the Hmong tribes, several of whom died in throes of horrific nightmares. The group had come to the U.S. to escape the murderous reign of Pol Pot. I guess that's how you say it. And within yeah. a year of arriving, the three men all died in similar situations. They're young, otherwise healthy men. They would have nightmares. Then they would refuse to sleep as long as they could. The nightmares mm-hmm. were so bad. And when they finally fell asleep from exhaustion, one of them woke screaming and then died. Autopsy results—autopsy re- results, Autopsy results mm-hmm. revealed that he had not died from heart failure, but had just simply died. It was an inability to find a cause of death that intrigued Craven so much. Yep. So, and there was something about also uh, somebody that had peeped in his window as a child.
0: Yeah, and freaked him out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it freaked him out, and that's where he got the the version uh, the vision of Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. that person had on, you know, a, a hat, I guess, like that. Yeah, yeah. He was peeking in through his window, and that scared him as a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. So. he put a lot of he put a lot of life, or you know, not life experiences, but a lot of things from his past. He kind of used to uh, to kind of uh, solidify the story or or add elements of the story, like the. The creepy sweater the fedora the, he knew he knew somebody named fred krueger which is why i used the name and yeah ruined the name krueger for every person that had that oh. name yeah
1: yeah That just yeah just reminded me of something else i heard recently but yeah you're right mm-hmm. it must suck to be someone named fred krueger these days <laughs> yeah anyway uh you know i mean heather lane camp she beat over 200 actresses for the role of nancy uh, yeah, among them were that tried out were Jennifer Grey, Demi Moore, Courtney Cox, Tracy Gold, and Claudia Wells. I mean, I could actually see of the ones listed there, Claudia Wells, I think would have fit well in it at the time for her look she mm-hmm. had in Back to the Future. Right, um, Demi Moore, if you're going with the Demi Moore from the the Brat Pack look, she actually mm-hmm. shows shit fire mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, jennifer gray i can't see so much playing nancy courtney cox i can't really see playing nancy and <laughs> tracy gold i'm so used to seeing her you know being carol siever i can't right, right. picture her in anything else
0: yeah it's kind of hard to think of them in that role i guess courtney cox kind of only because from the scream movies i've mm-hmm. i can kind of see her in a in a horror movie but uh Demi Moore would be good, Claudia Wells would be good. Yeah, Jennifer Grey and Tracy Gold definitely not. I think even with Claudia Wells like I think she would have to go with a darker hair color so that I mean even though Tina's not, you know, Amanda Wiss's character is not in it very long, you wouldn't want them to look too similar uh, you know. Which yeah. I think they they might.
1: Yeah. If, and 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 it's not that I don't think Courtney Cox could do horror, it's just that during that time frame Oh yeah, um, I, I guess because I'm comparing her to Heather Langenkamp's Nancy with the longer hair. Uh-huh. I don't remember Courtney Cox having longer hair at that point. <laughs> I believe because I'm I'm remembering the Bruce Springsteen video. Yeah, Mark, I think she, she, she did stage. when she
0: was on Family Ties. She had a you know she had a little bit of run on Family Ties before the around she the same did. time as Springsteen video. So I completely forgot about that shoulder wings
1: yeah. hair basically. Mm-hmm. A little bit, little bit longer, shoulder-length hair. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I completely left her out of that and forgot about that. <laughs> no doubt. The thing I mentioned earlier about him in the alleyway holding his arms out, I'm reading here they had elongated his arms by having fishing poles on each side of the operating set of puppet arms that were attached to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the practical effects in these movies are really good. I know We we talked about this in So the the last episode I did was on American Werewolf in London, which has fantastic special effects, um, Academy Award winning makeup and special effects. And then uh, we're doing a bonus. I'm doing a bonus episode on the movie House from 86 that, you know, but but, yeah, but pretty much any 80s horror movies, a lot of practical effects more so than what we see now, of course. So, you know, that's what I think. That's why 80s horror movies are kind of tough to beat for me because the practical effects, even though you know it's fake, mm-hmm. there's just such artistry in it. And there's so much thought and and uh, creativeness in those effects. Even the stuff like even watching the third one where, you know, of course, they had more money, they had a you know, bigger budget, they were able to do more things in that one. It was still really cool to see, oh, well, you know, they didn't just, you know, there's still some cartoony parts in the third one. Uh, some of the special effects, but some of the other stuff that it's you can tell it's practical. It's like they really went for it. You know, they 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 made it look as real as possible, which especially at that time was really scary. Of course, now it's a little bit more cheesy, but I still appreciate the artistry. I appreciate the the creativeness of the practical effects. And even with like, except like with Freddie's makeup, I think and in, in, in the first one where, you know, she pulls his face off and it's kind of like the skeleton like, I mean, That still works, and it still has an effect. May not be as scary as it was in eighty four, but it still has a gruesome effect to it.
1: Right, right. Now, I was talking recently. um, Guest I had on the show, uh, Mark um, Mark Anthony Austin, I believe his name was. He um, matter of fact, let me just double check his name here. Mark Hmm. Anthony Austin. That's correct. I didn't want to get his name wrong. Yeah, let's not do that. Special effects artist um okay and he got to play boba fett in oh the yeah, seven yeah remake thing of the star wars new hope that re-release mm-hmm. but um the special effects portion i brought up with him and i said you know compared to what it was back when you were doing things in the uh you know in the 90s and even maybe a little bit before how do you feel or how do you like it compared to nothing but a lot of green screen blue screen mm-hmm. okay and he had made very good mention of how he, he, although how he can appreciate what things have evolved to today, Mm -hmm. there's something about the older way of doing things that made the movie feel more fun to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly, you know, what I thought would be, what was a great answer. I completely agree with him on that. Um, Even if, you know, when you watch the making of Star Wars, and they're showing this tiny, this big set <laughs> that's been built of toy-sized things flying yeah, across, yeah. There, but you're seeing the same scene in a movie, and it feels like they're in space with what they've done to it, right? And right. It's awesome and amazing. Same thing with this right here, and how they take some of the simpler things and make it awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it gets to the point in the movie where now you've lost Tina. Uh, you've lost Rod in, in, in the jail. It looks like he's hung himself, but it was right. really they got him in the jail. Um, Nancy is being taken by her mother to go get help. Mm-hmm. Her, her, her mother's character almost cracks me up at times. <laughs> um yeah. it's like toward the end of the movie when Nancy comes home at one point and um, her mother's gonna tell her about Freddie finally. Uh, the character steps out from the kitchen and looks like and she just steps out, has a cigarette in her hand, takes this dramatic pause and lifts it up and flicks the lighter and lights a cigarette. Like it's a, it's, it's an Emmy winning spot in the movie that she's got to get this right. And then she goes, come downstairs with me and I'm going to tell you about him. <laughs> 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 it's so, so dramatic. lighting the cigarette and tell her to come on down. Let's go talk about him. Um, but before that part she had takes her to the sleep clinic to get looked at right right so was, that's what i'm going to call it the sleep clinic that that works doctor's checking her out uh he's explaining to her mom you know they've she's going to sleep in there this is what it looks like on her readings it never really goes above this number of six or ten or something like that next thing you know it's reading 30 35 40 50. He doesn't understand what's going on. She's violently jumping around in her bed and flopping around. They go in there and wake her up, and she comes out with the fedora in her hand. She's got the. she took the hat straight off his head. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Yeah. Her dream, just as she had, just as she had burned her arm in a mm-hmm. previous dream while she was in school in class. Right. Coming out with the injury, she's got a cut on her arm as well, and the mom wants to know how the cut got there. Better yet, how do I have this hat in my hand?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: she knows who he. Is. You know, she can get to him. She can pull him out. So she devises a plan to go ahead and pull him out of the dream, and wants her boyfriend, you know, Glenn, to help her when right. she pulls him out for him to be out there out the front door in the front yard, be ready to whack him with a bat or something. They're going to take him out. They're they're going to kill him. They're going to end this. Uh, little does she know that you know Glenn gets you know gotten first. Freddie right. gets him right. Uh, Cool little scene between him and his mother before
0: he gets, you know, <laughs> right.
1: him, she comes in and wakes him up. And uh, it's close to 12. He knows he's supposed to be awake. He fell asleep watching TV. Uh-huh. To for Nancy at a certain time, but she's telling him he needs to go on to sleep. And uh, she says, How can you listen to your records and watch television at the same time? <laughs> he says, Oh, I'm not really, you know, just watching the tube. and listening to the records. And he goes, Miss Nude America is going to be on TV tonight. And she goes, Oh yeah. What does she have to say? He goes, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Don't be a smart aleck. Uh Go to sleep. Um, It's little things like, that, you know, it gives you a, it gives you a more of a, a good feeling toward the character. You know, you feel more for the character when you see he's getting killed. Him and his mother just had this moment. Basically, you know that would have been normally remembered from that point forward probably is something funny he'd said in the past and done they a, they seem like they have a good relationship
0: yeah oh yeah,
1: yeah. The, the father doesn't care for nancy too much he thinks she's crazy and he wants her to stay away from the kid but then he ends up getting pulled through the bed right and so you don't, know, you don't know what he's dreaming it doesn't show you anything he's dreaming just suddenly a claw comes up and pulls him down into the middle of the bed and blood just come you know, gushes up everywhere
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's crazy uh, so, the father comes over, her, her father gets caught up with the police, they check things out, and we're practically at the end of the movie now. She's determined she's going to end it all now. She's going to go in and pull Freddy out. She tells the cop across the street, uh, or she, she tells her father on the phone, mm-hmm. just just listen for me. When I call for you, I need you to come over here. You know, I'm going to get him. she tells him, it's Freddy again, it's Freddy Krueger, and he just doesn't want to believe it because he's supposed to be dead in all reality. Right, right. So when she uh, has her dream, you think at first maybe she's failed with it, and he hasn't come out. But she did pull him out. She's got mm-hmm. all kinds of booby traps set up in the house. She's suddenly yeah. gone survivalist. Yeah. All this here. I mean, home, home alone expert, before home alone. Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> expert, expert at making booby traps in the house.
0: Yes. Right. Um, right. You know,
1: all we're doing was paint cans coming down from the stairwell and <laughs> hitting Freddie in the face or a, a giant bar swinging on two ropes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, she, she she does fairly well against him when she brings him out. And he's back. He's into reality with her. Do you think that she's got him at this point because she has him trapped in the basement and had lit him on fire? He's burning to death yet again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So finally the father makes his way over there. And you come to find out that Freddy now has... Uh, before they could get someone down there, he's coming up and gone up to the kitchen and back around and up the stairs. There's, 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 there's footing all through there. Where and this is some of that good special effects we're talking about in a sense because it's 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 realistic feeling where you see the individual steps he's taking. Those steps are on fire because he was on fire uh-huh. going uh-huh. all the way up the steps, and they get up there. and He's basically attacking the mother and right. the father sees it at this point. So the father sees what's going on. Um, he covers them up because they're on fire. The fire goes out. But all you see when he takes the, the blanket back off is the mother's skeletal-like body going into some mystic-looking background into the uh-huh. bed. And it's just a whole bed. So I feel like I have skipped something I wanted to bring up a while ago <laughs> can't think of what it is. But it's, it must not be that important, I guess uh nancy tells her father that she'll be down in a minute that she's okay and turns her back to the bed and freddie starts coming up through the bed it looks you know he's he's coming back for her Uh so she does what you know um her boyfriend glenn had told her to do you turn your back on them you tell them you know that they're not real and everything And this is what she does basically she she rejects him she takes away any bit of energy she's ever given him Uh she wants Mother back. She wants her friends back, and he looks like he's scared for a moment, like he don't know what's going on. And when he goes to get her, he just disappears into nothing. Uh-huh. It back on. Now, here is what I want to know. I want to get your opinion on. Okay. It looks like when she goes at the bedroom door. Now she's going out the front door.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Okay. The mother is with her now. Right. All right. Glenn is pulling up in a convertible. Rod and Tina are in the back seat did she get what she wanted out of it the whole time and say well, she wanted her mother and friends back or when she went through the bedroom door now she's at the front door, is she realistically still sleeping and dreaming all this? Is she dreaming that she pulled him out and killed him and got what she wanted? Because they never really tell you at the end of it. And they, they don't. That's, that's the cliffhanger. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Was yeah. it real at the end? Was it uh-huh. fake? Is the mother still really dead? Because it, it you know, a person don't just get pulled through the window of a door.
0: Right, right. You know, that's the way we- it
1: looks. So and then the car itself looks like it's Freddy himself. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. You
1: know, the, the the drop top goes down and it's a red and green stripe like the sweater. I mean and then as it's going down, you see the little kids doing the jump rope song.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh,
1: mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So uh, well, what was your thoughts on the, how it
0: ended exactly? Do you think it was still all a nightmare? Uh, I think it's meant to be ambiguous. And yeah, it's a, well, uh, let's, let's go back to 1984, because, you know, we know because we've seen the third one that Nancy comes back. So she had she had to have defeated him. Mm-hmm. So then it's then it's like it. It was a dream, but it's—I don't know—it's hard to explain because it. There's no logic. (laughs) There's no no real logic here, but I mean, I would say, yeah, I think it's. I want to say that she won, and it's and and I'm I'm trying to. I was trying to go back and find it, but I really want to say you know because it's been a year since we did this episode, but I'm pretty sure that Craven did not want that ending. Like that was that was the studio wanted that last scare before the credits roll. Um, and so they, they filmed that as kind of like a throwaway of the mother being pulled through the door. Like he wanted them to leave and it'd be over. Like it'd be a happy ending. And the studio's like, no, we need one more scare. And so they added, you know, made the, the convertible look like Freddie and then the mom being pulled, which, you know, her being pulled through the door like a like a doll which was obviously a doll is probably one of my favorite like funny but not supposed to be funny moments <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah.
1: It, it it almost feels like in a sense that let's just say that it was still a dream. Mm-hmm. In the third one that you mentioned she's back in which we're about to jump on here in just a second. Yeah. She talks about to the doctor in it how she herself dealt with nightmares and that she had lost her, her mother
0: mm-hmm.
1: and all of this stuff. So I'm thinking that maybe what happened was this was still a dream that her mm-hmm. mom died in the dream. And, you know, once you die in the dream, you die. Right. And when she does wake up, her mom is dead. She is in a strange relationship with her father. Now he's, he's really set back after all of this. Uh hmm she goes on to do what she goes on to do, I guess, with college and stuff. The dreams leave her. She gets the sleep medication issued to her where she doesn't have any issues or anything. And she hasn't done a long time. Um, I'm thinking maybe that's kind of how it worked out. If I'm if in my head, I'm working out <laughs> what happened to me. That feels like the best exclamation in my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's just not, you know, guaranteed that that would be it. Um, there was a, a thing going on with the glove, the original glove.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it made an appearance back in part two, and Wes Craven loaned it out for three, but it disappeared at <laughs> part three, they said. And it's rumored that uh, Robert England's agent has was, it. Down po- well, yeah, was down in possession of it and has it.
0: Mm-hmm. That, was like, yeah, that was kind of like the original mask for uh, Michael Myers. Like it got lost between either one and two or two and three. And because back then, I think maybe it was one and two because they weren't, you know, they didn't think they were going to make a sequel because it was a cheaply made movie. I think it was the I think it was the jumpsuit and the mask. And uh, it's like one of the one of the crew members had it in a duffel bag and he would like wear it, you know, for like birthday parties or something, (laughs) something crazy like that. And they had to. Uh, I think they eventually got it back, but I think I think for the second one they had to get a different mask until they found out that the one crew, you know, crew member had the original one.
1: The one thing I'm glad it didn't do. I'm reading right here. Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. was designed by Wes Craven to be the typical silent serial killer, such as Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, however, in the sequels, Freddy developed a. Cheeky persona that enabled him to be the black humored villain. Right. In the first movie, he's just he's just trying to be scary, I and mean, he's not trying to be yeah. funny. Right. Even at the point where he's looking at Tina early on, he goes, "Hey Tina, watch this," and he uh-huh. takes somebody, he cuts oh, off yeah, two yeah. of his fingers and squirts out stuff. Uh-huh. It's disgusting. Or at one point, he sees Nancy... And he cuts he cuts his side a little bit and stuff spills mm. out of his side where his ribs are. It's not meant to be funny. It's just meant he's meant to be scaring them and driving them crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: you know whatever he can do to get a, a scare out of them is what he's doing.
0: Yeah, it's Until funny
1: later later on with the little cheeky comments come in.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny to go back and watch that one now because of the later ones. We're so used to him being the one liners and being more campy with it that some of mm-hmm. the lines you can kind of take both ways. Like the, you know, the, I think it's the scene where she answers the phone and then the tongue comes to the phone yes. and he's like, I'm your boyfriend now. And it's like, that yes. was probably meant to be very scary, but like, like now it's like, it could be like, he's making a joke or he's right. threatening her. So it kind it of, kind of, it can go both ways. It's, it,
1: it can be very humorous if used in the right ways too, right. because in this past couple of years, um, definitely not to get sidetracked on this because it's <laughs> we, don't, we don't really do political no that's not I did see a meme a little video meme where they were they were they were poking fun of the current president and because they would say that you know there was all these talks out there that he was always sniffing women's hair and stuff and right right all these things well this the the little video clip of Elm Street of her answering the phone and um, Saying, I'm your boyfriend now, and the tongue comes out. Uh It goes to a quick shot, I think it was, of Joe Biden on the phone talking to somebody, (laughs) which I thought, I mean, it was funny for what it was, the Uh way they made it. But I'm thinking, well, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, was my first thought. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie in a while. That was creative. But yes, I mean, to think, and and that's also how she knows he's got to Glenn. Mm, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, telling, he's telling her, I'm your boyfriend now. But
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. it's not quite as cheesy and campy as when you get to Elm Street 4 or 4 or was it 5 with the pizza at the diner?
0: Oh, I don't remember. I haven't I haven't rewatched 4 and 5. I yeah, definitely haven't seen those in a long time.
1: There's like big bits of sausage or meatballs. Yeah, or something I, know, like I know the scene
0: you're talking about, but I don't remember which one it was in. Because I'm like you, like Nightmare... I, this is well documented in my podcast. I was not a big horror fan in the, in the eighties. I didn't really get into horror until the nineties. So, and that was when Freddie, like the early nineties was really Freddie's reign. Uh, You know, I think it was, yeah, when four and five came out. So I watched those before I went back and saw the first one. So I was a big Freddie fan more so than the Jason and Michael Myers. Cause I hadn't seen those movies uh, when they came out. So, um, so, yes, yeah, so I've I've seen all of them, but it's been a long time since I watched them.
1: So, one more thing about this movie, and I'm going to jump to three. I'm okay. uh, reading a movie uh, bit here that was supposed to happen, but it was cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Depp's character, Glenn, was supposed to rise from the bed after yeah. the bed, the best thing, but it was cut.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you
1: think that would have made a stronger uh, part for the movie if that had happened? Or the way it happened, is it perfectly fine the way they left it?
0: I think it's fine the way they left it because, you know, they did Tina's death where she's kind of on the ceiling. So it's, it would have been a little bit redundant uh, yeah. to do it that way. I know I've seen, I've, I remember reading that clip and they obviously must've filmed that scene because every, you know, every once in a while, like I like to go back and try to find like behind the scenes photos from sets. And I've seen a picture of Johnny Depp, like covered in blood sitting on the edge of the bed so I'm assuming that that's a, that's a shot from when they filmed that part of it that never made it into the movie so um, it would have been interesting but I think what it was was terrifying enough I mean being sucked into your bed I'm you know I'm sure there were yeah. plenty <laughs> there are plenty, plenty of kids teenagers that you know slept on the couch after seeing this movie because they didn't want to be sucked into their bed <laughs> with, a t- with a little TV you know on the bed with them so
1: right right so we jump up here to, uh, to three now, Dream Warriors. Okay. You know, skipping past two because Nancy's not really in it. So we, we right. got Heather Langan camp. We got Robert England again reprising Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Craig, I'm going to assume it's Wasson, W-A-S-S-O-N, that plays Neil Gordon, the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patricia Arquette is Kristen Parker. Right. And Ken, Ken Sangos is Kincaid. Rodney Eastman is Joey. Jennifer Rubin is Taryn. Bradley Gregg is Philip. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence Fishburne was in this movie
0: as Larry Fishburne, yeah,
1: yeah, as Larry Fishburne playing Max, one of the orderlies mm-hmm. there. Uh, we get a brief appearance from John Saxon playing Lieutenant right. Thompson again because right. they get a, him later to try and find out where the bones to the body is and everything. And if you hear that dog in the background, I'm sorry, I'm about to go muzzle that thing, <laughs> <laughs> she's killing me. This is the second episode she's done, so normally she's quiet, you know, mm-hmm. but you know. Doesn't it's a, much. I mean, look, she's a, she's a little little yapper dog. That's what they do. <laughs> they, they yap. Um, the movie brings on um, another story now. Uh, the extended story, we should say,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for Nancy, but new light on Freddy Krueger. Uh, there is a nun that keeps right. presenting herself. Right. That we'll say throughout the movie to where the doctor neil gordon keeps seeing her and her name is sister mary helena and she has given him tidbits of information like the only way to save the kids is to put the evil spirit at rest and this is where he's first he's he's done met nancy she's come in he's trying to take in all this stuff that she's saying and making sense of it making heads or tails out of it because it doesn't make sense in a doctor's mind that anything outside of a dream it's dangerous because mm. your dreams are there for you to you know to to help you expel things from daily life. That's why I say sleep is so important for you. Your body gets rest. Uh, you you get into a dream state. You you, you dream things and I and to not go deep into that or anything because I definitely cannot talk intelligently on that. <laughs> um,
0: Me either. But yeah, you know,
1: that's that's basically what they say. Dreams that dreaming is healthy for you. Right. Uh, so Nancy. For the last six years, uh, has gone and got herself a degree of some sort in working with dreams, and they have brought her into this place where the kids are having trouble. And it just so happens that Kristen Parker has been taken to this place where she's been having dreams, and it looks like she tried to commit suicide uh, mm-hmm. by cutting her wrist when, in her dream, Freddie had slashed her in the right. bathroom. Right. Uh, she is there freaking out. They're trying to sedate her. And she's just crying. She's got a hold of a blade. She has already cut, you know, uh, Max's arm. He's trying to, you know, take her and calm her down. And she starts quoting the the, the jump rope rhyme. And right. as she gets to the end of it and can't finish it, Nancy walks in and finishes it for her and asks her, where did she hear that rhyme? Uh-huh. So the girl calms down immediately because she feels a sense of trust with her right off the bat because she knows the nursery rhyme somehow. Um, you know, they go on to have group sessions together along the way. One of the kids, uh, which was Philip, played by Bradley Gregg, ends up dying at that point. It looks like he's sleepwalking when really and truly Freddie has him in a nightmare and he's treating him like a marionette, like he's created himself and hanging from his ceiling. Um, Freddie comes from one of the marionettes that's he's created after him from his dream, how he remembers him and all. So, they're having a group session about what happened to him, and uh, she is wanting the doctor to maybe prescribe hypnosil which is the drug they've got her on, to prevent them from dreaming till they can get a grip on what's going on and figure things out. Um, and when she finally breaks it out to them that she knows what they're dreaming about, you know, none of them want to believe her.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: might even be... No, I think this is before the part of what happened to you know to Joey when he's uh, strapped to the bed. Um, She describes Freddy Krueger to him to a T, and Uh they don't understand what's going on. And she explains to them that they are the last of the Elm Street kids, Uh along with her. We are the last of the Elm Street kids. We're paying for the sins of our parents who trapped him down in a boiler room where he would take his victims and they burned him alive and killed him. So he's taking it out on the children, basically. Which makes you wonder at that point, when you've only seen up to three, what happens when all the Elm Street children are dead? How's he going to go from there? Which they, you know, obviously that's a story down the road for a different thing because that goes into Elm Street 4 where they explain all that. But you've got, um, in this, the kids themselves have their own little sleep powers, basically. This didn't happen in the first one with Nancy. And I don't know where they had the idea of bringing this about. What did you think about the fact that they each one of them has a special power within their dream that they can use, that they have brought out to defend themselves in it? Mm-hmm. It seems silly to you in a way, or does it? Does it make sense? Have a good like have a good feel to it in any way?
0: Um, I mean, it's an interesting. It's definitely an interesting story. Uh, our plot point it's you know f- fruitless <laughs> like, i mean you kind of knew that it wasn't going to work but right. but it 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 made it made for interesting segments you know what i'm saying like they all had their little their their dream power where they said and i was like you knew that wasn't going to work because we've seen what freddie can do but from their perspective because they didn't really know what he could do or what his power was um it gave them some confidence, which I think is a little bit better than just being completely terrified all the time. It did, it did add a a new element in that aspect of it. So, um, I mean, I, I think it worked for the story. I mean, we didn't talk about two and two was, was so terrible. Three seems like a masterpiece after, (laughs) you know, after two. So, uh, so, so better decisions were made for sure, which I, I don't, I know Wes Craven was a, was one of the writers on this one. I don't think he was as involved in the second one. So definitely had more of his his style and his uh, his storytelling in it, for sure.
1: Well, for the writers, you had Wes Craven, uh, story and screenplay and characters. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wagner did some for story and screenplay, and Frank Darabont did screenplay. Chuck Russell was a director. That's how you have this set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Craven did have his hand in it. As far as you know, writing some of the stuff for it and all, yeah. But uh, I think I don't think it was a hundred percent his baby in this one.
0: No, but I'm just saying I think he he was the more involved in this one than he was in the second one. The second one definitely felt more like a cash grab sequel that really didn't yeah. didn't have a real story to tell. It just wanted to rehash what they did in the first one. I mean, they did right. it did have somewhat of a it tried to make a, a different story, but it wasn't as strong as this one for sure.
1: I think the purpose of part two, if, and I've never read anything like this to say this, so don't take this to be <laughs> you know, legit or true. It's my opinion, uh-huh. but I think they used part two in a sense that they were going to go further down the line with it. Maybe just to three, for a trilogy uh-huh. or maybe even beyond it. I don't know. But when they're talking about the second one, it's called Freddy's revenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: All right, so you brought him back now, and this is his revenge on the neighborhood to get back in again. Mm-hmm. And this, this reintroduces him back. So now you can bring him back for a third one now because he's not dead and gone, what they insinuate in the first one. Right, right. So that, that may or may not be what happened. Uh, the, the, the nun, once again, is giving ideas to the doctor how to get rid of freddie um he has basically been canned along with uh nancy at this point
0: yep yep
1: so uh she's telling him uh what freddie's about what brought him about how he became what he was uh how sister mary uh how the a a young nun had been you know Taken by a hundred inmates, a hundred of the worst inmates, and abused, basically, we'll say. Um, and that left in creation the baby she had, which was Freddy Krueger. Uh, the bones had to be put at rest. Mm-hmm. This would take So to find out where the bones are, they had to go to Nancy's father, the only man left alive that knows where they are.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, they have a bad kind of a reunion, you might say wasn't exactly the best, but uh, the doctor reintroduces himself to him and kind of forces him, forces his hand and says, we're going to go take care of this because you may not care what happens to Nancy and these kids, but I do, and we're going to go fix this. So, they end up going to where the bones are while Nancy goes to help with uh, Kristen, who's been put in the quiet room for the night. They've sedated her. She's going to go under. She's probably going to get killed. So, they're going to go in and they're going to help her. You know, Best that they can. She's gonna bring them in, and they're all gonna be asleep and ready and waiting. And they all got their dream powers. You know, they're bad. Kincaid can cake and bend a chair.
0: Ooh. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Uh, you got uh, Will, who is the 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 sorcerer or supreme, the or wizard. Yeah, the grand the wizard. wizard. No, the grand wizard, which is probably a bad name to call himself. Probably too. not. Yeah, very
0: very very bad.
1: Yeah, probably not the best of the names to choose. Um, you got. Uh, uh, Oh, who's left over with them? You got... Uh, oh, uh, Taryn, uh, who is not only beautiful, but she's bad. You know, right, she six yeah. <laughs> uh, Of all the ones that got killed in there, it was... Uh, oh, I have a trouble defend, uh, determining which I thought was the cooler one of the two. Jennifer Rubin's uh, character, which was Taryn, mm-hmm. or Will, played by Ira Hyden. Um Will, which was the the wizard, will say has this mean-looking wheelchair coming after him because he's in a wheelchair. Right, right. And um, so uh, Freddie sends it back after him again. He tells him, you know, something about you might be up now, but in the end it's back in the saddle again. And sends it Mm -hmm. one more time. So he destroys it as a wizard in his dream. The chair's in pieces. So now he's excited. And he thinks he's going to kill him once and for all. And he makes the same announcement that he does in his Dungeons of Dragons game. And he takes off with the green lightning stuff coming from his hands, thinks he's got him killed, and he picks him up as soon as he gets there. And he tells him, "Sorry, kid, but I don't believe in fairy tales."
0: Uh-huh. So,
1: uh-huh. Taryn now faces him in an alleyway yeah. that she's somewhat familiar with, and they're they're fighting with the. She's got her two knives. He's got his knives. He cuts her legs. She stabs him in the armpit. He decides he doesn't want to fight her, and he says, "Why fight? You know, we're old friends." And he holds up his fingers, uh-huh. and now every finger has what looks like you know needles on the end of it. Right, syringes. And her yeah. arm, yeah, the syringes, and on her arm, these little little mouths like they're <laughs> opening up, saying, "Feed me, feed me, feed me." Right, right. So he goes in and sticks them in to her arm, and yeah, you know, he's like, before he does, and he's showing, her, he's like, "Let's get high." Right, <laughs> you know? right. What a Six rush! What a water rush! Yeah. See, so, so he's starting these little one-liners in this one. He's, uh-huh. he's he's got some little decent ones when he tells the girl watching TV, "Welcome, you know, to welcome time, to time." <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs>
1: smashes her head in the screen. Um, but anyway, now we're down to just uh, Kristen and Nancy and Kincaid and Joey. They go rescue Joey. And it's at the point now to where they uh, we're, t- were pra- practically at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddy does disappear at one point because he feels his remains being messed with, and he shows up in the junkyard and he kills Nancy's father there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he has taken out the doctor and knocked him out into the grave and tossed some dirt on him. And funny enough, you see a skeleton dancing in victory before it falls back. Right, and- right. I don't know why they did that. That was kind of <laughs> easy. Uh, looking back on it now, it's funny to see it, you know, it's, but I don't think it was really necessary. He could have just no. dropped it back down and went back to where he was. Um, they're in this hallway with nothing but mirrors. And he finally shows up into one big one. He says, If only there was more of me to go around.
0: And uh-huh. next thing you
1: know, there's Freddie in every mirror in the hall. And they're all getting pulled into a mirror, except for Joey, who is crouched down in a corner covering his ears. He doesn't want to hear the screaming. And you know he is not We didn't bring him up earlier. He hasn't spoken in a long time.
0: Right, right, right. Because of
1: his dreams, nightmares, and stuff. So he jumps up and just screams. Just as simply, screams the word "no" as loud as he can. Mm-hmm. And all the mirrors just <sighs> you know, they're mm-hmm. gone. They're busted. Talk about all that bad luck.
0: <laughs> and they thought he was dead at that point. Seriously. Yeah, that, that was that was a. It was like, come on, y'all, don't be that gullible.
1: So. You think he's dead now because Nancy's like, we did it. Mm-hmm. He's dead. She, he's gone. And she should know better at that point, right? Right. But now they all trust her.
0: Right. They trust
1: her. So next thing you know, you see some light coming down. It's her father. And he says, I've crossed over, baby. I just want to come back to you and say bye and tell you I'm so sorry for how I acted and didn't believe you and all this. And they're getting their father-daughter moment just to get a glove of knives in her gut <laughs> uh-huh. it's him he's still there that's right he isn't going away and um he drops her and motions for the door to shut behind kristen now kristen rushes at him he gives her a backhand fist to the ground as he's about to go in and stab her nancy comes up from behind him and jabs his glove into his chest and stomach uh-huh. at this point the doctor has already been rolling back around and getting up. He's trying to finish what he started. He has slung the bones in the grave. He hits it with holy water a couple times. Um, says what he says for it. I think it was in the name of the Father.
0: No, it was uh, uh, ashes to ashes and it was ashes the, to ashes, and dust, and dust, dust to dust. dust. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so and Freddie's now he's you're seeing it happening to him in the dream world area where every time it hits, uh, there's a new spot opened up on him and lights glaring out from him. Until uh-huh. he finally just basically explodes and he's gone. So now it's over with. But Nancy's now dead, basically. So Nancy's story has finally come to an end. She's uh-huh. full circle. She's one of the original kids in the movie that survived, but she's come into the third one and helped a few others make it through, but she has now died herself, and she's gone. At the funeral for her, the doctor sees the nun again, Sister Mary uh-huh. uh-huh. And he, he goes to her to tell her to thank her for what she did and telling them and before he can say anything to her he gets in the corner she's gone he looks at the grave down there and the grave is for sister mary helena also known as amanda kruger
0: uh-huh. and he's
1: like my god you were his mother uh-huh. and that's pretty much it for that
0: life moves pretty fast If you don't stop and listen to the 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s flick flashback podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our 1st time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go.
1: So, the movie itself uh three is probably my favorite of the Elm Street series.
0: Yeah I do like yeah. the
1: I do like the original a lot mm-hmm. but three gets a little bit extra for me because of the little funny one-liners.
0: Yeah I yeah three, I do
1: kind of like the cheesy one-liners but you know like I said when it gets further into it where he's like you know eating the pizza and he's stabbing the little meatball with a person's face on it or something he's like the uh-huh. soul of the children you know he's <laughs> Soul food is what it was eating. He was eating soul food. Or when he gets the girl in the giant Roach Motel and tells her,
0: "You check oh, in, yeah, yeah. You check out, but don't check out yet."
1: Part three, um, as far as the box office goes, compared to the first one, uh, it had an estimated budget of four and a half million. Grossed worldwide forty four million seven hundred ninety three thousand two hundred twenty two. So um, it almost doubled what the first one made. Yeah. I'm not Right there, but it was close. So it was successful. It had a good soundtrack to it. it had Docking on there doing mm-hmm. uh so you got songs from Docking, Dream Warriors, uh, Into the Fire. Um, I'm I, I'm not gonna attempt a Mo Shapiro here and sing Dream Warriors. <laughs> no, right. I'm not either. I'm not gonna go that route, although kudos to him. Every time he yells it out, more power to him. I can't <laughs> do it, I just can't bring myself to it. Um Anything interesting about this movie that for you, I know, you, like you said, you didn't like him at the time, but when you come mm-hmm. back and you sort of watch him, is there anything interesting to you in this movie that stands out that you like the
0: best about it or that you just want to bring up at all? Uh, well, I will say I, for me, I'm still going to put the original first and only because it's the original. Because, you, you know, it hadn't been done before. But this is a close second. And, I'm, and, and once again, I haven't gone back and watched four or five six whatever after you know after that in a long time so but i don't think they get better as they <laughs> as they go along even the remake was terrible because we did my wife and i did watch that one a couple of years ago where we watched this the, the, the original the original one but um but yeah i think this one is this one is great because of even though it said it's it's kind of fruitless, but them trying to become a team is a good element. And that they each one of the characters, you have you got more of the kids, and there's they have more, you know, there's a little bit more backstory to them than we just had in in the first two movies where they all, you know, they did have a pastor. There, there are certain things that they liked that that you know Freddy was going to use against them. So that added a new element that I liked. I will say, you know, you you covered pretty much all of the uh, deaths, but the one you didn't mention, which was the one that freaked me out probably the most as a kid was the first one, or not that wasn't the first one, but maybe it was the first one, but the kid that um, it pulled the veins out of his arms and his feet and led him to, like, he was the puppet, he created the puppets. We,
1: we kind of touched on it a little bit. We yeah. talked about, I said how, you know, how Freddy came out of nowhere and drew, like, from one of the puppets hanging from the ceiling because he right, had one right. after him in his sleep, but yeah. um, we, didn't, we didn't talk a great deal about the death. just that they were the doctors tried to play it off as a suicide.
0: Right, right. But that, you know, of course, now in, you know, HDTV, the, you can tell it the, the special effects aren't as crisp as they would have been done today. But I just remember that as a, as a kid, even as a teenager, and, like, that was kind of freaky. Um, but, th- you know, the it, death of the Because yeah. think
1: about how he's laying in bed, you see him take the little bagel, go, mm-hmm. yeah. Whoosh. And next thing you know, he's got his veins pulled all the way out. And he's treating his veins like the puppeting strings. Right. That's how he's guiding him. But all anybody else sees is him walking around with his hands out. Like he's sleepwalking.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But in Mm -hmm. reality, in the the dream, in his mind, it's Mm -hmm. his veins pulled out, being walked by them, walked around by them. And then when he gets him hanging over the edge and he's looking up, like Mm -hmm. he doesn't know what's happening, and he's afraid to just go and he cuts it loose. Yeah. And he falls off.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
1: definitely, definitely something.
0: So I think you know, this one things were thought out a lot better. Like the execution is probably a little bit better than the, the first one. You know, it's still a new idea, putting things together. The the concept was there, but they really expanded on it and and gave Freddie a little bit more personality. Like you said, they they I think at that point they really said, you know, we've had these silent. You Kill, know, like you said, you mentioned before the silent killers that don't say anything. Now, to have one that you know really becomes more vocal, of course, it became more campy, but that did give a totally new element to that you know, to the horror icon. So, I like it. I mean, that, that's I don't really have a whole lot more to add to it, but I agree with you. This is this is a fun one. Um, of ones that I would probably want to rewatch. I would definitely want to re watch this one more than the other sequels for sure. Um, and it's probably the one that you know, like, even though I hadn't seen it in a long time, when I rewatched it today, I remembered a lot of it. And it was funny cause my wife, she, she missed the beginning, but she was watching the last part of me and she loves the fr- She loves the nightmare on Elm street series. She has great memories of watching them with her friends when she was younger. And so she was like saying some of the lines before they even came. I was like, you, I was like, you've seen this way more than I have. Cause I knew there was a line coming, but I knew, knew didn't know what it was. So she was kind of saying some of his one liners before they got there. but. Uh, but yeah, but it's great. I mean, I I, I enjoyed them. It's they're fun. Uh, Freddie is funny, and you know, it's iconic. Eighties iconic for sure. But yeah,
1: and nobody other than Robert England I don't think, could really play that role. No,
0: no, he he personified that character. That I mean, even when they did the remake, if they ever, and please don't ever remake this again. I'm sure and. and probably 10 years they probably will but you have it's it's kind freddy's kind of become one of those characters where unlike jason and michael myers that don't speak and have the mask it doesn't matter who's behind you know it's it's the the presence is what's frightening but for freddy it's the personality too so you'd almost have to if they were going to remake it or reboot it you'd have to present freddy in a completely different way kind of like you do with joker in the batman series like every joker Mm -hmm. is different every joker has a different personality you'd have to do that that's why i think the remake didn't well it was just bad overall but trying to have someone be kind of the same freddy as before just didn't work um but it would take once again we don't need to remake any any of these movies at this point um but yeah i I think he, he personified the character for sure. And, uh, same with her, the landing camp for Nancy. I mean, she's, that's iconic for her as well. And I do think it's funny, like her and, and, you know, John Saxon, uh, both reprised their roles and both died. And I was kind of yeah. joking under my breath. I was like, they probably put in their contract, please kill me in this movie. So I don't have to come back. To the <laughs> they pulled a Han Solo on us, right, right. They right. Pulled a
1: Harrison Ford Han Solo a bit. Uh, I don't want to do it no more. Get rid of me. Kill uh-huh. me. Uh, they, um, oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm looking. So, this kind of got me laughing a little bit a moment ago. A funny thing about Robert England. Uh-huh. uh says, once after a tiring day on set. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> England fell asleep in his dressing room, still in full Freddy makeup. When he awoke and looked in the mirror, he got a terrible scare. <laughs> Oh, scared himself it's, it's scared, it, it's, I wonder what if he got a crazy one liner off of that <laughs> wouldn't that be something oh, Wes Craven you mentioned this earlier had nothing to do with the first sequel in Iron Man Elm Street 2 for right. revenge in 1985 as he did not believe Elm Street was capable of spawning a franchise the success of the second film outgrossing the original convinced <laughs> him otherwise I think it outgrossed the original because people were expecting something great like the first one yeah yeah. and so a lot of people went to it but they didn't get it but when the third one came out and you saw this the previews for it you could tell that was going to be a great one.
0: Oh, yeah I mean, oh yeah i
1: remember watching it in the theaters when it came out and it was definitely a a, a real fun movie to watch
0: mm-hmm.
1: um nothing else really stands out to me i mean i'm looking at some of these little things here yeah, a little I mean, oh, yeah, nice yeah, little tidbits and there's some nice little things where they throw shout outs to other people uh, patricia arquette and um things of that nature robert Inglis said he could tell patricia arquette would be a star one day um this is mm-hmm. the debut for her and for the jennifer rubin that played taryn as well their movie debuts um nothing else really stands out so i won't go any further into that but the franchise itself, I'll go ahead and say, because we're getting right pretty much at the end of the show here. Hmm.
0: The franchise
1: itself, I thought, had the ability to go a good ways. And, but they were going to have to do something a little bit different, obviously, because they were the last of the Elm Street kids.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, since we don't have time to go into it, I'm just going to say real quickly, uh, if, if I ever go and do, and I do want to do this later sometime, I want to do Alice's story. Because that was originally what I was going to do was 4 and 5 and do Alice's story. Oh, okay. But uh, I changed it around to Nancy instead. So the next time I do this, it's going to be about the story of Alice. And Alice gets brought in by Kristen. Uh, Kristen's played by somebody else altogether different in Elm Street 4. It's Tuesday Weld that plays the character in that one. Mm
0: -hmm. Not
1: Patricia Arquette. And she tries her best not to. Dreams are coming back around to her. She pulls in Kincaid and Joey, although they didn't want her to. And they end up finally getting killed in that along with her. And when Patricia Arquette brings in Alice, it opens up the doorway now to infinite kids. It's no longer just the Elm Street children. Right, so, right. I'll give to that on another episode one day. I go from there. But, Tim, man, it's been great. Uh, yeah, man. Been you've been on. It's been great talking with you again. Uh, one more time for us, if you will, for everybody that's going to listen. Uh, get them your podcast out there where they can find you at and your social media and stuff and make sure they know that.
0: Cool. It's the eighties flick flashback. You can go to our website, eighties flick flashback.com. You can find the podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart podcast, Google podcast, pretty much any platform uh, that's out there. Uh, social media uh, is eighties flick flashback on Instagram, uh, Facebook, on Twitter, it's eighty. I think it's '80s underscore podcast. For some reason, it. I don't. I don't even know how that became my Twitter handle. <laughs> it's just that's what I get. I guess '80s flashback was already taken. That's what they gave me. I didn't realize it was that until like a month after I had it. But anyway, uh, I'm not as active on Twitter. I'm trying to get better on that one. But uh, in, on TikTok as well, '80s quick flashback. Uh, But yeah, so you can go to the website Uh, just we just launched some merchandise you can get a logo t-shirt sweatshirt uh, pair of socks for Christmas and uh, yeah lots of fun stuff trying to do some new stuff Uh, getting ready to close out this year we're in season five so there's lots of episodes you can go back and check out Uh, just know that we started small just like uh, Chris has with this one so uh, not every not every show is perfect we had you know we, we learn as we go. So hopefully uh, if you check out a season one episode and if if the sound isn't just right or there's a few editing mistakes, you know, don't count. Don't mm-hmm. think every episode's like that. Just just keep listening. And uh, I, think as, yeah, I think we've gotten better. Yeah, I think we've gotten better as we've gone along. We always have a lot of fun, uh, even if it's a movie that we're not big fans of. We still find a way to find some enjoyment out of it. Because it was the 80s, it was the greatest decade of movies. I know Retro for, Life for You goes 70s, 80s, 90s and even the 2000s. It's like, you know like one of those uh, radio stations you find out there, you know best of the 70s, 80s and today. Like Jack FM. There you go. There you go. So, but if you just want to talk 80s, check us out.
1: And see, my original plan was going 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. But I got to look and there was quite a few out there, just before I met you. Yeah. Uh, I was turned on to the idea of doing it by uh, Buzz in the tower, mm-hmm. which uh, you know,
0: Mo and Max guys, shout you know, out.
1: You know, they got a great show. Mo and Max, yeah. they do great. Uh, they just recently recasted Elm Street. Yeah, by the way, yeah. Another episode. episode. Uh, I I told Max, I don't see how you guys do the recasting. I can't bring myself to recast <laughs> a person in a role that I love. Uh, yeah. I I, I could. We could take a movie and put people in it like a. Uh, Travis and I, when he was here, we, we casted um, Masters of the Universe if it was done today.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, we took that and we did that. And that was kind of fun. But I cannot sit here and say that, well, I think that um, you know, Claudia Wells would have been better than Heather <laughs> Langan Camp. So I'm going to cast her in that spot.
0: And Because
1: right. I, I, I could never recast uh, Freddy Krueger either. I would. Just, I, yeah. I can't bring myself to do any of that, so it's, it's too hard for me. But everybody's got their their thing. These guys do a great job with recasting and stuff. And the, with, with what they do, they get specialty types of podcasts that they do. It's not just a review. Oh, yeah, they're, yeah. And, and they're great. So if anybody wants to check them out, too, check out Buzz in the Tower. It's B-U-Z-Z-N, the tower. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, and it's great. And make sure you check out Tim as well. 80s flick flashback a lot of good stuff there for us as usual as you guys know we available pretty much just as tim is we're on spotify we're on itunes we are on uh anchor.fm iheart radio amazon music google music anywhere you're going to find a podcast you want to listen to you should see this name on there as well if you search it, it's going to be there and ready to go we are on social media mostly on instagram at retro life for you which does bleed through the facebook with the same name and whatever you see on Instagram, I'm going to have on Facebook as well. So whatever your preference is, reach out to us either way is great, but you're most likely going to have the best luck reaching me on Instagram or directly through the email at retrolife for you at gmail.com. Uh, if you do check out the podcast, please make sure you give us a rating and a review. If you want to throw five huge stars on there, that would be <laughs> awesome. I would not complain at all. And believe it or not, everybody, those ratings and reviews do help us out a lot. Um, Tim will tell you uh, yes. he's been around longer than I have. A rating and a review will go far with the rankings and the way that you know it gets your name out there on the search engines and everything. But it, it shows more of an interest in your show, so they want to get it out there for others to see. So, if you have time, definitely leave us a rating and a review. It'll be much appreciated. Once again, Tim, thanks for being on here with us and everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show with Elm Street October this year. Halloween's coming up. Make sure you take your kids out trick-or-treat and you check that candy. Don't take them anywhere. They shouldn't be going. (laughs) Freddy just may be around the corner.
0: We'll see you guys next week.